With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz is in the U.S. for bilateral talks with President Biden. The meeting at the White House covered several international issues, including the state of continued U.S. support for Ukraine against Russia's almost two-year war there. Biden reiterated his administration's support for sustained help for Ukraine. I want to thank you all for your leadership in the very beginning. And you've done something no one thought could get done. You've doubled Germany's military aid to Ukraine this year. And it's really important. you got to step up and do our part now. There's been vocal House Republican opposition to additional U.S. military support for Ukraine. And Schultz said he hopes that Congress ultimately will approve more aid. Immigration policy analysts are weighing in on the failed $118 billion bill that would have overhauled key immigration policies, proclaiming the politics almost insurmountable. Texas Public Radio's Marianne Navarro reports. The measure could have been one of the most significant legislative immigration reforms in recent decades. An analysis by the Migration Policy Institute finds that despite more than 500 immigration-related executive actions taken by the Biden administration, Congress must act. Musa Farchisti is a policy analyst with the Institute. People shout from top of their rooftops that we want to control immigration. But when it actually comes down to providing the policies and the resources and the staffing to do it, they collapse. Chishti says lawmakers often use the issue for political gain, especially during an election year. I'm Marian Navarro in San Antonio. Student protesters at Brown University have ended a hunger strike after eight days. They've been trying to pressure the school's board into voting on a divestment measure related to the war in Gaza. Olivia Eberts of Rhode Island's member station, The Public's Radio, has more. The 17 remaining students on hunger strike ended their fast after coming face-to-face with members of the school's governing body as they exited a meeting this afternoon. We have done all of the easy work for you. We gave you exactly which companies to divest from. The students wanted the board to vote on a proposal to divest Brown's $6.6 billion endowment from companies they say profit from human rights abuses in the Palestinian territories. Board members left without addressing students' and reporters' questions. A Brown spokesperson says the school will release more information about the board's meetings next week. For NPR News, I'm Olivia Eberts in Providence. Wall Street, the Dow lost 54 points. The Nasdaq was up 196. The S&P, 5,026. This is NPR. Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale announced he's running for the U.S. Senate despite pressure from his own party leaders to stay out of the race. He's kick-started a contentious Republican primary battle with a GOP establishment candidate. Montana Public Radio's Shaley Rager reports the winner will take on the incumbent Democrat. Matt Rosendale, a House Freedom Caucus member, filed his official paperwork at the state capitol surrounded by supporters. 
I hope every one of those signs is lined with bronze because we're going into a battle, so you're going to need it. Rosendale says he's the best candidate to take on Democratic incumbent U.S. Senator John Tester, given his name recognition and willingness to buck party leaders. Montana U.S. Senator Steve Daines, who's leading GOP efforts to take back the Senate, supports political newcomer and entrepreneur Tim Sheehy for the nomination. Daines said in a statement, it's unfortunate Rosendale decided to run. The Montana race could help decide control of the Senate. For NPR News, I'm Shaley Reger in Helena. Across Southern California, northwest of Malibu, millions of people this afternoon felt a magnitude 4.6 earthquake. It does not appear there were any major damages or loss of life. In southwest Florida, on Interstate 75, two people died. After a small plane tried to make an emergency landing, a witness said the plane collided with a vehicle and slammed into a wall. Authorities say three people survived. The FAA says there were five people aboard the plane. I'm Luis Schiavone, NPR News, Washington. Listen to this podcast sponsor-free on Amazon Music with a Prime membership or any podcast app by subscribing to NPR News Now Plus at plus.npr.org. That's plus.npr.org.